Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Finsider with the PH. Wednesday night, another episode of Finsider Radio. Hello, everyone. My name is Keith. It's good to be joined by you. Uh, we're going to do this show for the next hour or so. Uh, I'll be join, joined by uh, Duke at some point, but for now, uh, Angry Lewis is back. And I can hardly blame him, considering that train wreck that took place in, in South Florida last Sunday afternoon. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about other the uh, repercussions from that 41-14 beating at the hands uh, of the Buffalo Bills. We'll talk about the Dolphins' defense moving forward. Can they salvage the linebacker core at this point, uh, the defensive line. You saw that Adam uh, Sue, highly rated defensive tackle despite all of the issues going on with this uh, this front. Uh, certainly not the problem. I think everyone is looking at him right now and thinking, why can't you fix everything? That's obviously a little bit short-sighted. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh my favorite thing going on right now is you see a lot of people blaming Ryan Tannehill. Uh, angry Lewis, the reason, actually, the, the first thing I saw from him this week that made him angry was he was arguing with someone on Twitter or someone was arguing with him about why Russell Wilson is so much better than Ryan Tannehill because I guess Russell Wilson would, would overcome that, that sort of adversity of playing behind a turnstile offensive line as we saw in Miami on Sunday. Um, so much more to it than that to say that you're going to stick Russell Wilson in that they're going to be better, that this team doesn't lose 41-14, to 14, I think that's a bit of a stretch. Uh, maybe they lose 41-21. Maybe he gets you an extra touchdown pass because he, I don't he was he did one of those deceptive plays and he bootlegged it in. I don't know. Uh, and finally, just because we're all about optimism on this show, uh, we'll talk about whether this team can get it turned around against, against the Jets in London Sunday morning. Uh, not as much of a hit for me. I think that game starts out out here central time around 9, maybe. 9.30. I'm not sure. 9.30. Is that 9.30 central time or Eastern? Oh, Eastern. Okay. Uh, that's a little weird. I like to sleep in on Sunday mornings. I remember getting up. Well, uh, last year I suggest that. you sleep in anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I'm not missing much. You're seeing a lot of people. With, I like the optimism that they think that they can get it this, turned around against the Jets. The Jets had a pretty tough loss to themselves last Sunday against Philadelphia. Uh, they were never in control of that game, which is interesting when you consider the fact that Philadelphia the week prior was never in control of their game against Dallas. So uh, parity ensued. Um, but you, you got to think that, I mean, the Jets want to go ahead and, and try to right the ship a little bit. Uh, I know I went against somebody who had Ryan Fitzpatrick in fantasy and his numbers were fine, but you're going into the, into this game looking at that, that Jets front seven, in my opinion, that's where the real concern, uh, lies. And the secondary looks pretty good right now too, save for a lot of the mistakes and a lot of penalties they had last week. They're very handsy last week. So, I mean, you're looking at guys like Leonard Williams, Muhammad Wilkerson, and seeing those guys go up against our our offensive trenches is not something that makes me feel overwhelmed with enthusiasm. But, I mean, who knows? I mean, this league is so messed up this year. I mean, anything can happen. Everyone's already um, coming up with Super Bowl 50 as Green Bay and New England. They are the two best teams in the league right now, Green Bay especially. The fact that they're without Jordy Nelson and still just absolutely slaughtering everyone in their path is pretty impressive. The fact that Jeff Janis is a downfield threat on this team is a little bit depressing. Because, I mean, that I understand that in, in this day and age we want to put everything on the quarterback, good and bad. That's a good thing you put on the quarterback. I think Aaron Rodgers is incredible to the point where he makes Jeff Janis not only relevant, but in some ways dangerous. I mean, Devontae Adams is banged up. No big deal. They just throw three touchdowns to Randall Cobb. 
I missed the news on my fantasy team last year. Didn't get a chance to drive him this year. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. There's a lot of upsetting stuff going on. Uh, I think we've already got a caller, so uh, we'll get to him or her. I don't think I don't know that we've ever had a female car, caller actually. So we'll get to him shortly. But in the meantime, Lewis, you were at the game Sunday, right? Yes. Paint a picture for me. What was it like? First of, can I? Do you have green dollar signs all over the place? Can you picture that, if you will? I, I can't. I'm t- right now. I'm envisioning green dollar signs. Yes. Okay. That's what you should be seeing. And now picture it all getting flushed down a toilet. Okay, it's because sitting around. Are we are we in Australia or are we doing that here? So it goes. Is it clockwise or counterclockwise? No, this is my wallet. <laughs> okay, so that's all in my wallet. wallet. This is this is what this is what I saw when I was at the game because I I I I didn't expect the Dolphins to win. Honestly, I expected the Bills to win the game, but truth be told, I was not expecting a beatdown like that. I, I, I wasn't. expect Tyrod Taylor to look like that. I think that was probably the most upsetting thing. We talked about this last week, that that Buffalo defense, when they're not going up against New England, when there's when they want to play well and Rex has them fired up, they have a lot of impressive pieces on that on that defense. I mean, beatable, well, let's yeah. Be, it's it's, not, let's a, be honest, it's not an indestructible juggernaut, but at the same time, that that defense, I mean, if we're going in there with our personnel, probably not anything I want any part of. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, let's be honest about this. It's, even the Bills, like, forget the fact of the Bills for a second. It's not like any team really has to do that much to stop us. We have, once again, like, no running game because they don't even want to run the ball. It's not even a matter of can't. They won't. I think Lamar Miller, the few times he actually did run the ball, he got like four yards a carry. But I don't even I, I don't even remember how many times he ran the ball. I think he ran the ball less than five times. I'm not sure. But he got like four yards a carry. But for some reason, they decided, nah, like we're already down 14 points, so there's only one thing to do: become one-dimensional and let them pin their ears back from start to finish. And It just baffles me that these supposedly smart NFL coaches who have had jobs in the NFL before, and I know they got fired, but you know what? Teams move on from coaches all the time. And let me tell you something. It just, it it seems like there's a lack of common sense. There's a lack of common sense. If you, this is like basic fundamental football coaching. If you become one dimensional if you become a pass-only offense, then it's only logical. Like, like it, it, it's common sense that the defense is going to pick up on the fact that you're just going to throw the ball all day long and say, well, they're not going to do anything else with the run game. Let's just go on the attack. And as a result, Ryan Tannehill had his worst game of the season. He got picked off uh, three times. It, 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 it doesn't make sense. Keith, it really doesn't. It just doesn't even make sense. I'm past the point of, oh, they're just making dumb mistakes. No, now they're making mistakes that just don't make sense. It's not even dumb mistakes. It's mistakes that should never even come into their minds. Are they? I can't picture that they are so stubborn. They they are so inset into their ways that they are completely blind to what is going on. They don't notice that the offensive line is failing. They don't notice that Ryan Tannehill is getting clobbered. They don't notice that teams are just pinning their ears back and not even paying attention to the idea of a run. They're not, they, they don't see it. They don't see that Bryce McKean is getting burned every other play. They don't see that Walt Akins has no idea where he's going and he has to look around to see what's going on. He has, they, they can't see that Kelvin Shepard is too slow to play middle linebacker. And $300, Keith, I paid to go watch the Dolphins lose 41-14. to 14. $40 of parking, $200 for the, over $200 for the two tickets that I paid for for me and my father. I, I, what a waste. I knew the Bills were going to win. I didn't think they would be so stupid as to expect the Bills to just 
lay down and uh, lay down and let them win. It's kind of funny because now I have to go to Omar Kelly. It's funny Omar Kelly actually said a lot of things that I agreed with yesterday, and so did the major and the majority of Twitter of people that I respect agreed with this whole point. The Buffalo Bills came into Miami and punched the Miami Dolphins in the mouth repeatedly, and the Dolphins responded with, "Let's talk it over." And this is what's going to happen with the Jets if you're going to ask me that because you know what. The Jets are going to come in and punch us in the mouth. And since we're in London, let's go with the London motif and say, would you like a spot of tea? Can we talk this over? Let's, let's negotiate. <laughs> it's, like, that's, it's going to happen again. All right, two things. That was, first of all, that was outstanding. You can come on this show whenever you want just because you did that. Uh, first off, I want to go ahead and invite Duke. Duke, how are you? Are you okay? Are you upset? I'm good, <laughs> did you, man. Did you spend 300 bucks on the game on Sunday like Lewis? Uh, no, I watched it on the computer, so and it was kind of uh, oh, you... on and off spotty, so I missed much plays. But uh... you didn't miss much, Duke. <laughs> yeah, I, I was after after a few few minutes, I was ready for the off twenty two. I was like, yeah, this is this is the way they're set tomorrow. I was like it would just it was through Direct TV, and it would just kind of freeze up. So like he like he would uh, play would happen, they'd snap the ball, and it would just kind of freeze. And then, like, it would be two plays later before it went freeze. I don't know. It was weird. So, I kind of knew it was going bad. Um, I missed Buffalo's entire first drive. Uh, I just saw the saw the result. So did the Dolphins' defense, evidently. Uh, yeah, so they uh, – so, yeah, I, I was going back and watched, uh, watched it uh, on, on uh, some of the replays to catch some of the uh, highlight things. Oh, boy. It, it was bad. Uh, if you guys don't mind, just we've got a caller who's been waiting for almost 10 minutes now. Uh, so I want to find out. Dolphin fans are like, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, he changes He changes his, his area code so often I can't keep track of that guy. Uh, caller, yes, you're on the air. How's it going? Yes, it is Dolphin fan for life. I'm psychic. You're everywhere. He's on I know I'm everywhere and anywhere at the same time. No, um... Well, I'm glad we picked this topic first off. See, because I understand everybody's a little frustrated, a lot of frustrated, actually. But, you know, this is why you don't put those high expectations early. See, first off, people forget we changed our defensive line coach. Now, never mind that we need to change everyone else there. But I feel like Casey Rogers' defensive line coach has that team playing. This guy they have now, I don't even remember his name. I believe it's Terrell Williams. You know, he cannot control not one, not two, but three megastars. And I'm going to go ahead and count Olivier Vernon as a megastar because the first year that he actually Uh, got decent player time, Olivier Vernon can do quite a bit, especially under the tutelage of Casey Rogers, and especially on the opposite side of Cameron Wake, and especially when you have someone like Sue in the middle. You know, but it just seemed like everything got affected with Casey Rogers being gone. Forget adding soon, but it just seems like the players that were there aren't really taking to the new defensive line coach. And in yeah, turn, that, the rest of the team is suffering for it. It's you like know, a trickle-down effect that's just not going well right now. Uh, can I ask you a question? Yeah, and then I, I'll spread this around to everyone else because I'm curious. And this is the this is the main Twitter topic, and we're not above uh, stealing from uh, social media. So naturally, within well during the game, Joe Philbin and Kevin Coyle were taking an, an absolute beating on Twitter. I want to say before the end of the first quarter, those guys were getting lit up. So, and I mean the the beating has continued throughout the week. Uh, how much – I'm going to ask all three of you guys. I'll start with a Dolphin fan for life, and then we'll, we'll roll to Duke and then Lewis. How much of this do you put on Joe Philbin? 
how much of this do you put on Kevin Coyle? How long should the team stick with those two? And is I mean, Bill Lazor is culpable too, because the uh, the, the non-run game right now. I understand he might have a lack of faith in the personnel, but Ryan Tannehill is absolutely set up to fail right now. They they are not calling plays in his best interest with this whole Drew Bledsoe throw the ball seventy times, please. So, how much of it on Golden? How much of it on Coil? Are you getting rid of those guys sooner than later? Do you ride out the season? What are you doing? We'll start with Dalton. I put I put twenty five percent on Coach Philbin. I put 25% on Casey Rogers. I put 25% on the front office, and I put 25% on the fact that we started the season with 28 new players, 26 to 28 new players on the roster that had never wore a Dolphins uniform before. Because the simple fact of the matter is, is you have over half the team that hasn't played together. On top of that, the ones that you do have are sitting on the sidelines right now. So then you have backups who have never wore a Dolphins uniform taking their place. Or they have, they just don't get the snaps like they should. So they don't have the chemistry with the ones and the twos and the threes and so on and so forth. Now, they did all pretty with the whole mixing and matching and everything else during the off season. But that was their first mistake, and that's on Joe Philbin. Because you're trying to find things. You're trying to find things. You're trying to find this chemistry, and you just cannot get it when you put, like, four or five snaps. Okay, let's let this guy go in. Four or five snaps. Okay, let's try this. Okay, four or five snaps. You, let's try that. Now, Casey Rogers, I mean, not Casey Rogers, but as far as the defensive coordinator goes, Kevin Coyle, you put that on him because he basically does not know how to run a system or create a system. He starts off complex, then he says he's going to oversimplify it. Well, then you tear out the confidence of your teammates who haven't really played together anyway. So all things considered, you have all four facets of the thing. And to be honest with you, Philbin... I like Sylvan. I think he needs to kind of get a gut check in place to say this is unacceptable. He doesn't need to have the owner make the decisions for him. He needs to say, okay, you know what? My job's on the line. My job is basically being out the door, being thrown out the window so to speak, without a parachute. You guys just a, need to step just up. Just to play devil's advocate real quick, I don't mean to cut in, mm-hmm. uh, but doesn't he need to be told by the front office what to do? Wouldn't Mike Sherman still be here had they not pretty much all but held a gun to his head and said, make a change? That's kind of why I bring up that point, because as, as the past really kind of, he's too loyal. Mm-hmm. And you really, really, really cannot be too loyal in a system where you're being paid week to week. Because the one thing I know, and I think NBA 2K16 did the whole show best when they said, okay, you want to be loyal to this guy, we can't have you on your team, our team anymore. This guy is hurting our brand. Forget that you have to look out for him, but you want to continue to get paid by us, you're going to have to go ahead and let certain things go. And that is the persona that Joe Philbin needs to take on. You know, he just needs to say, okay, otherwise that 25% is going to be 100%, and he needs to go too. As far as, like, Kevin Coyle goes... We should have made Casey Rogers the defensive coordinator because his system with his guys was working. Our secondary, even with the secondary specialist, was not working. But Casey Rogers, we had one of the best front fours before, 
And if all it took was making him a defensive coordinator to keep him from going to the Jets, you know what? If we lose next week, it's going to be because of Casey Rogers. Because, you know, and it's going to be because of their head coach. Because the people that were actually making things work were let go and not given an opportunity twice the head coach of the Jets was given, you know, given an interview for a head coaching job here. Make him an assistant yeah. coach. You know, once Casey Rogers could have been like, okay, I'll be the defensive coordinator, blah, 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 blah. If you can just give me that, I will stay. Otherwise, I have to go to this team. You know, and I mean, it's not like, you know, the Jets are top ten in defense, but at the same time, our guys, our front four, were producing at top ten levels when Casey Rogers was here. So he has the familiarity and he has the aptitude to control a guy named Sue whenever things go. Because if you can go ahead and control how many guys we had on here before with Audric and Starks and everybody else, he can control one suit, especially with Cameron Wake over there being the consummate leader that he is. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's just a matter of everybody's to blame including the fact that we don't have a team that's played together and gelled together and been together. So if you ask me, at the end of this season, we take a long, hard look. In the middle of the season, we give Philbin an ultimatum. You make the changes that you feel like you need to make or we will make them for you and you can go back to Green Bay. Because Green Bay will take him back. They took James Jones back, and they traded him for a second rounder. And look yeah, at how James he's Jones doing is, there. Yeah, he catches passes. I, uh, not to bash on Philbin too much, but I, the thing I didn't understand about that hire at the time in uh, January 2012 is, yeah, he's the offensive coordinator in Green Bay, but he's, he's not calling the plays. And they said, well, he prepares the offense. Prepares for what? It's like that office space moment where it's like, what would you say it is you do? So, Duke, what do you think? Um, there's a there's a lot of blame to go around. Um, to me, it, it seems like there's just like a complete lack of game plan, and not to. Not to talk about it in terms of quarterbacks, but when you let guys like Tyrod Taylor and Blake Bortles move against your defense at will, then there's, there's a problem there. That, that should not happen. Those guys are NFL players, but they're not talented enough to sit back there and, and look like Aaron Rodgers when they throw the ball. Um, mm-hmm. I think with the exception of Kirk Cousins, uh, well, we, we played three games. Kirk Cousins, I don't remember what his passer rating was. But you look at the other two passer ratings, they were over 100. Now, I don't think passer rating is indicative of quarterback play. I think it's indicative of the entire passing game play. So when your quarterback gets over 100 passer rating against you, your pass defense is terrible. Now, they've tightened up against the run. I mean, that, there was that big run for a touchdown. Uh, but LaShawn McCoy had like one point something yards per carry. So that wasn't too bad. But they said, well, we didn't expect Buffalo to come out and throw the ball five times. What? How do you even say something like that? You've got to be completely and totally prepared for things. And secondly, the offense isn't prepared either. They give up on the run too much. And I understand the offensive line is still kind of some hot garbage at this point. Um, You know, I'm going to give Jamil Douglas a pass. He's a rookie. He's played in the third game. He's going up against real men at this point. You know, there's going to be a learning curve with that. There always will be. Um, very rarely does a guy come in, especially a fourth-round guy, come in and just completely dominate NFL talent. So he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. But the rest of the guys, I mean, on that, on that interception, I think it's third interception, I mean, Tannehill, because I discussed this on the side, Tannehill points at the rusher. He points directly at him. And 
at one point, there was two free rushers coming at Tannehill, and Jason Fox, Dallas Thomas, and Mike Pouncey were blocking one guy. I, I don't know who they were blocking, but obviously he was good enough that he required three people to block while two guys rushed to Tannehill, and Tannehill had to throw the ball. Greg Jennings was completely open down the seam to the left, but Tannehill had no way to even see that guy because there's two guys coming at him. And he pointed out and said, hey, look, you know, there's guys coming from that side, block them, and they didn't do it. So there's all kinds of issues there. I mean, I understand there's talent deficiencies on the offensive line. You're just going to have to deal with that. But just from overall game plan, just from everything about it, it, it it's like it's like they're, they just show up. Um, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I mean, it, it's like they're just there to collect a check or something. I mean, I, I don't know any other way to describe it. And to me, when it comes to Joe Fieldman, I know a lot of people have made a lot of stuff about him. He, he's coming a little looser now. You know, he, he got out and did that silly song and dance thing, and he's becoming more of a player's coach kind of thing or whatever. The way I look at that is there is Joe Fieldman has looked at what he's done wrong in the past. And I liken it to looking at like a house or some other kind of building. You've got a foundation, and that's your primary part. And then you've got other other things, you know. He's trying to paint walls, and he's trying to redecorate, and the foundation is, is crumbling. That's the problem. He, he tried to say, well, I need, you know, I've let up on on, uh, on fines. I, I've become a little looser. I'm not being so, uh, so, you know, hardcore about it. And he's not changing his coaching style. I mean, he just cannot come out and get beat like that by offenses that aren't that good. I mean, maybe Buffalo's a little better. Maybe Washington's a little better. But, I mean, these guys aren't great teams, and you're making them look like great teams. That is all coaching. So something is the problem there, and he's not addressing it. And every time you listen to one of his press conferences, you just get this sense of, like, that they're the smartest folks in the room, and they're not going to take your criticism. Like, we know what we're doing. We're the coaches. You're not. And yet it doesn't change. So, I mean... At some point, you're going to look at the front office is going to look at, and I'm not going to necessarily blame the front office. I mean, this is a talented team. I mean, I read before the season started, people were saying this team's so talented that even Joe Philbin can't lose with these guys, and yet they're losing and they're getting beat badly. So, you know, somebody somewhere is going to have to make that change, uh, and, and I think the front office will. If, if we if we lose. Sunday to the Jets, I think it's going to be, I, I don't know if Jeff Hillman will be the coach the next time the Dolphins play a game. No, I, I mean, I, I would agree with that. And the, the whole relationship between Philbin and Coyle uh, every day more and more reminds me of the whole thing Bill Parcells had going with it. I think it was Dan Henning when there was like, Dan Henning sticks around because we like to go to lunch every day. Well, that's fantastic, but you need to win football games too. So, I mean, it's it's not working for me right now. Lewis, I have a question because you mentioned you spent that, that 300 bucks at the game. Did you at least get to see Nico Grimes get arrested? Uh, no, I was not. I was not aware of that happening until after I saw it all explode all over the, tw- all over my Twitter. And, uh, actually did not happen until after the game was over, which is weird because he, she got arrested before the game. Uh, somehow, uh, you know, people are making jokes about it and all that, but you know what? I feel sorry for the family, not necessarily her so much, but I feel sorry for the family. I feel sorry for Brent. I feel sorry for their son, Aiden, because you know what? That has to be really bad, a really bad look for a child. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to go into a whole, um, a whole rant about the state of the family and all that stuff because you know what? As far as I'm concerned, parenting has become a lost art, like real parenting. And oh, but I'm not. I agree. So (laughs) So we don't want to kick anyone while they're down on this show. That's not the reason I brought it up. And I mean, it's it's an unfortunate thing. Uh, I mean, there is a lot of ammunition to to sit there, and you can make jokes about that. I mean, I wouldn't. I just look at it and like I feel bad for that person. So, I mean, I didn't, honestly, I didn't find it funny at all. I was actually horrified by it. And I, mainly because, I mean, this that's just not something you really see around the NFL. You don't see that happen too often. 
you know, when you think about player wise, you think about like when Brett Favre's wife used to be hanging out in in one of the uh, the sky or the you know the uh, club boxes at uh, Lambeau Field. Um, so I mean, it's it's an unfortunate situation, but I, if anything, I mean, I hate to say it, it just adds to the circus theme that seems to follow this team around, even when they get it right with their their draft picks and their signings. Uh, this team's almost unwillingness to just lock and load Devontae Parker baffles me. I don't think the Raiders have an issue using Amari Cooper right now. They're using that guy like, I mean, he's going out of style. I know he's on my fantasy team. And it's, and it's like Gilman and company, oh, we're not sure about that. It's almost like you've got this incredible arrow in your quiver. And you're like, yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe another time. And something that Duke brought up, and I think that really says it all, is this team just dumps its pants when it comes to the run. They are, it's like they try running the ball a few times. They're like, ah, yeah, not feeling it. Let's throw the ball 70 times a game. I can't – I mean, there are a couple of instances in, in my time watching football where I've seen a team that just scares itself from using the run. And you think, like, what are you, what are you worried about? Yeah, I mean, you've got to run the football. You've got to find a way to run the football. Otherwise, you make your offense one-dimensional. You, you allow the pass rushers to pin their ears back. They're going to come at you every time. They're not worried about that run up the middle. I mean, they're not worried about getting exposed on some delayed handoff or something. They they know you're throwing the ball. You're going to drop back three, probably five steps, and they're coming for you. So there's there's many things. <clears throat> oh, go ahead. Uh, going back to something that someone said earlier and totally off topic, but you know how I knew that Buffalo was going to throw so much this past game? Do tell. Because Rex Ryan is a troll. He loves it. He'll make all your ex-players captains. He will do whatever it takes to show you that he's the smartest guy in the room, even if afterwards he'll show you why he's the dumbest guy in the room. And the simple fact is, is that they signed Charles Clay to a huge contract just to lure him away from us. Now, he may have not been catching all the passes, but he was running the routes. He was doing this. And he caught enough he was, passes yeah. to where he outplayed Jordan Cameron. And that, to me, tells me that they were going to throw because they could. Not to mention that their running back, their star running back that they traded for, had spent some time on the injury report during the week. But, you know, I mean, it makes sense. Okay, Charles Clay is here, and he's going to use that to fire up, oh, they didn't want you enough to pay that kind of money, and we paid you that kind of money. That's going to fire Charles Clay up. That's the type of coach that Rex Ryan is. So yeah. that being said, quarterback or no quarterback, well, they can still make it to a tight end no matter what. That's part of the reason why they made it into the NFL in the first place. Well, I mean, look, I but love to say, Rex's coach, coaching style. I mean, Rex, you know, I love the way he coaches the defense. Uh, I don't know that I want him as a head coach. I think that in terms of his ability to put together a 3-4 scheme, there are a few better. Uh, I, I mean, you can make – it's so easy to make jokes about that guy. Uh, you know, he got into football because he heard it's a game of feet and inches. I don't know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you, can just, you can just put whatever joke you want in there. Wes Welker has already uh, outed most of them. The thing is, is he's excellent with putting together a defense. He actually has pass rushers now in Buffalo, which he never really had in New York, unless you consider Calvin Pesa or you know Jason Taylor passes prime upper echelon pass rushers. Didn't get that. I mean, New York almost refused to give him those players, so he just goes to Buffalo where they're already built in, 
that team is just swimming in guys who can rush the quarterback off the edge. And he's got a, an impressive defensive front, too. So, I mean, that team is built to do impressive things this year. Kind of, I didn't have a problem with the Dolphins struggling against that defense. I still come from a place where I believe a good defense will beat a good offense any day. And right now, our offense isn't looking that good anyway. So, I mean, that's par for the course. You can see that one coming uh, from pretty far away. But the fact that Tyrod Taylor just absolutely dismantled us, the Dolphins on the or, you know, defensively, is the thing that is most troubling going forward. And Duke touched upon it, too. All the comments that came out on Monday, we didn't expect them to throw. I mean, you, you could not make it any more clear that you just got completely undressed by the opposing coaching staff. There, there's no other explanation for it. You were ill-prepared. You got blown away at home in your home opener when you are supposed to win this division. You went out there and you just got absolutely smashed by Rex Ryan while he's wearing risky business sunglasses. You could not draw it up in any more of an embarrassing perspective. It's awful. So if we can transition this this conversation a little bit, what happens in London on Sunday? Is it, I mean, more of the same? I, Andy... I mean, is Lewis? I mean, we're gonna have Lewis on next week doing more of his, his uh, British accent after the the beating administered to these guys, or do they go there and maybe leaving U.S. soil helps them better prepare for the New York Jets or something? I don't know, but what happens on Sunday? Any of you can start. They get punched in the mouth all it's over again. It's one of those again. things that it's one of those things Ow. that fans want them to lose so that Joe Philbin will get fired, so the Dolphins are going to win. Um, that's just kind of how it works. They'll end up 2-2 two and two and save off the – call off the dogs for a week. Um, I mean, they, they may adapt a little bit to some things. And, I mean, the Jets have a good defense, but I, I think they're a little less – I don't think they're quite as, as solid as Buffalo is. I think Buffalo's – good at all three levels. I think there are ways to exploit the Jets defense. Uh I I'm they I don't they have a good defensive line. I don't know about their edge rushers. I don't I don't think they have really great edge rushers at this point. Uh I don't think Copels is very good. Um so I mean there's there's ways to attack them. And and I'm hoping they will learn how to do that. Um Nope. Continue. I was just making the like I, I don't expect I don't expect the Dolphins to learn much of anything because I'm still looking at who the head coaches are. I'm still looking at Philbin. I'm still looking at Laser. I'm still looking at Coyle, and I'm seeing that they're gonna do the same thing whether it kills them or not. They they have they have they have they have belief in their scheme. They have faith in their scheme. They have they think that they'll be able to bring players in who fit their scheme, and this is the biggest issue with that whole coaching staff is that instead of adjusting their scheme to the talent that they have, they are picking the players who might potentially fit what they want to do for that game. There's, uh, I saw on Twitter that there was somebody who said that the reason that Jordan, that a player confirmed that the reason that Jordan Phillips was inactive was because he was apparently loafing on some drills and in practice. And as a result, Francis and Mosley got the call. Okay, but um, I look at it like this. So, Philip goofed off in practice. Okay, that's a bad thing. I understand you want him to you want him to treat it seriously. Okay, I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is that you find a way to punish him, I guess, by making him inactive. But as a result, you are punishing the football team because you would have to – you would have – I would call you certifiably insane if you were to tell me that C.J. Mosley and A.J. Francis are better defensive linemen like than Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips has a higher talent level. He has a higher ceiling. He has a higher floor than both Mosley and Francis. And Jordan Phillips happens to have the only sack – 
in the whole league, right, in the whole team right now. So with that in mind, you have to look at it like this. Hello? Uh-huh. Hello? Okay, sorry. My phone, my phone had a little uh, spaz attack right there. Um, you have to look at it like this. You told Phillips that he's not going to play because he goofed off. Well, Phillips has the only sack on the whole team. So either the whole team sucks, including Ndamukong Su, because guess what? He doesn't have a sack either. And obviously that's not true, but this is to prove a point. So because he goofed off in practice, that must mean he's going to goof off when the game starts. So you're going to make him inactive and put Francis and Mosley in instead. That's dumb. That would mean you were, that means you're going to bench Jelani Jenkins all over again because he's not a great practice player. That means you're going to bench so-and-so because he's not a great practice player. That means you need to remove Matt Moore and go find uh, somebody who's a practice superstar and make him the backup quarterback instead because he, he balled out in practice. Uh, uh, to hark back to something that Allen Iverson said, I believe it was him, we talk about practice. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, it only matters to a point. It's not enough to bench this guy if he is one of your most talented players. Jordan Phillips, in a lot of people's minds, should be starting next to Indominus Sue, Earl Mitchell not with, notwithstanding. Mitchell, in a lot of people's minds, should be benched because he's not as good as Jordan Phillips is or could be. So with that in mind, you bench this man because he goofed off in practice. And this is assuming it's true because this may, this guy may be talking out of his butt and just saying that he, a player told him that and because he wants attention. And But it, it makes sense to me. Jordan Phillips has a reputation for not being the most serious guy around. He's got a reputation for being a goofball at times. But so far, what I've seen in the games is that when he gets a chance to play, he makes stuff happen. So with that in mind, shouldn't you keep that guy on the field because he makes stuff happen when he is on the field? Forget practice. If you want to go by practice, then Jelani Jenkins needs to sit down and never hit the field again because he's not a practice player. And obviously Let's you're not going to do that because that would be that'd be ludicrous. Right. Uh, what I was going to say there is it's just another example of Joe going with his guys. You know, I, I like the guys who, who don't speak up. I mean, that's been a, a popular criticism of, of Joe Philbin over the years. Uh, I want my guys. I want people who are going to do things my way. Even though I'm fairly certain at this point that Joe's way is not the best way. So, I, mean, I don't know. But it, it's messy. And looking at how the Patriots are playing right now, the Jets look pretty good, save for the stuff they had at home last uh, last week. It's not looking good for this team because they need to rally around something. That was supposed to be the quarterback in their defense. They can't rally around the quarterback right now because they're making them do everything. The pass protection is awful. I understand that Brandon Albert's injury uh, expands on that considerably. But there's no faith in the run game. There's no interest in furthering the run game. The And the defense is just not there right now. I mean, they're getting absolutely abused on the second level. And they were expected to coast because of the impressive front they had in front of them. That hasn't happened thus far. They haven't been able to coast. I, Johnny Jenkins has done some impressive things. But, I mean, Calvin Shepard is I, – I just – I don't see it. Kelvin Shepard is a 3-4 middle linebacker. He plays better when he plays better when he has somebody there that makes up for his stuff that he doesn't do right. When he's expected to control the middle, he does not have that ability because he doesn't have the reflexes. Now, my problem with the whole situation is our secondary is pretty banged up right now. So my answer would be to play a 4-4-3. If he needs that second middle linebacker, put that second middle linebacker, Misi, in there. Put McCain on the edge. Move him around. Move 
Jenkins around. Do whatever it takes to bring five guys up to the front, five guys up to the back, doesn't matter. But if you have a banged-up secondary and you have the sixth, seventh-round backup, like Aikens or whoever, then you need to make up for that. And, you know, you make up for that by changing the defense around. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be the best deal in the world, and we're still – but our one safety in the back is going to be Rashad Jones. And he's the one that's capable of being that one guy in the back. We'll have to worry about one side of the offense but at the same time, we'll be able to rush four, five, six guys and cover that that's, that spread. The only, only, only thing that gives me hope in the Jets game is the fact that they're a chaos among the storm, too, as of right now. They've got so many things going on with their team. It looks like basically the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. During, you know, during Philbin's first two years. I mean, you've got one guy who can't play. You've got another guy who wants to break the bank because somebody else did. But you can't afford to pay him. Why? Because you needed to bring Revis back. But Revis isn't the same Revis before he went and did his thing anyways. Before you went and traded him to Tampa Bay. And I don't really think it was the best move for him because you traded him to Tampa Bay. So he's not going to bleed like he bled for them for that many years. You know, Cromartie, well, he's too busy getting pissed off about Twitter feeds about his kids to even worry about playing. You know, and I understand that as a parent. I understand that as a parent. You're a parent? But, no. But I I do. you're, you're, You're like 20 years old. No, I'm 37. What? Get out of here. Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah, I'm 37. I was born February 9th, 1978. Oh, my. Did, did it, either of the two of you know this? Mm-hmm. Uh, this no, he's really... Of the week. He's a guy. I, guys, I don't, I don't know maybe. this about him. I was born in 1978. So, but dude, my thing... Are... Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Dolphin fan for a lot. We're the, we're the old curmudgeons on the show, man. <laughs> See, I thought, I don't know, I just figured he was like, I, I guess I assumed that everyone's Lewis's age. Because Lewis is younger than grunge music. So, I mean, yeah, so Dolphin fans for Life and I were one of the Carter administration. Yeah, you were. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, that, we're, we're old enough that we can actually start saying that, that we did stuff start during a certain administration. We were able Sorry, to no. watch Reagan lose his lose his stuff. <laughs> we were there when it happened. I was gonna say mm. I was uh, I was born just before the uh, the the Reagan re-election. I was born in '84, so I, you know that's funny. Uh, just like I th- I thought you were younger than you are. I always thought that Kevin was like 50. And then it turns out Kevin's like four years older than I am. So I, I always joke about it. Like we always talk about him being like an old man and everything when he's like, he's actually born in the 80s. I had no idea. I mean, James used to get a lot of garbage about being, uh, I mean, all like the, the I, used, I laugh now. I remember when I first started, uh, well, participating in in the site and eventually writing for the site, and there were some people on there, it came out, they're like 14 years old, and we're in there like dropping F-bombs and just talking about how much this player sucks, and I'm like, oh, we're setting such a horrible example for these kids. And some of you guys haven't even started high school yet. And then they all thought James was ancient because James was born in like 1970. It's like they couldn't even fathom that, that people were alive, that people are still alive when they were born in 1970. It's like, that was no and, I mean, black and white, black, black black and white picture days there. Yeah, exactly. They they assume it's like the Wild West or something. Like James was born in like yeah, a tumbleweed went yeah. blowing across yeah, the Yeah, so when James was born they had just they had a new a new movie set had come out called Talkies. 
Is yeah. anybody else under the assumption that we should just go ahead and give Brandon Art Brandon Albert an injury settlement and possibly make him an assistant line coach? No. Oh. What? <laughs> I love that response. That was kind of like uh, Albert's banged uh, up because he's out of shape. He needs to hit the gym. That's the problem. He did get well, well, he, he gets left banged left up left a lot, and he really, really did. Well, I mean, afterwards, you gain some of that salary back, and you can go ahead and hit the trade market for somebody or somebody, but. I mean, in all honesty, he didn't even think he was going to be able to come back this year. You know, he, he uh, didn't think he uh, was going to be able to play again. Yeah, clearly. I mean, he's definitely got, like, a Brandon Fat Albert thing going on. And I don't mean to make fun of him, but when he first came out uh, this year, I was like, oh, boy, looking a little bit beefy. It was like when, uh, in 2007, when Ronnie Brown came out and he was weighing, what was he weighing, like 240-some pounds. Look like he lived at checkers during the off season, and you're like, "What are you doing? You're supposed to be a running back." But I mean, he's just basically Jake Long, if Jake Long was black. But I, I know that he just second game he's injured again. Last year he played good for us when he was healthy. But the problem is is that from Kansas City all the way up until here, he cannot stay healthy. And, you know, for all the stuff that we tried to do with the electronics and stuff, instill a diet plan say you don't have to do this when you're not playing for us during the offseason. But if you really want to help this team, follow this regimen. And the one that can put it together is Cameron Wake. You know, because that dude, he may be losing a step, but if you look at him, you cannot find an ounce of fat on him. And I wouldn't be surprised if he still got seven or eight sacks this season. You know? Yeah. Oh, oh. can I talk now? Can I talk now? Yeah. Can yeah. I, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. oh. Okay. Listen, man. I understand. I understand what you're trying to say. I understand it. I understand that I do. I do. I do understand it. Uh, however, <laughs> I I have issues with what you're saying here. First of all, I, like I find it iron. I fi- I find it ironic that we get upset with players for giving us canned answers over and over and over again. Like, oh, we'll be, I'll be fine. I'll be ready to go, and then we'll help this team win. And, and we get annoyed when we hear that because we don't believe them. And then when he's finally honest about with himself and with us, we say we get mad at him for being honest and saying, well, why didn't why did you just spare us the part? He did come back. That's the point. He did not have the time he needed to get back into football shape. There's a difference because – Let's 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 say let's let's put it this way. I can go out and I can go out right now and I can go play basketball for 4 hours straight. I'm probably going to get hurt cuz my body is not properly conditioned to play at that intensity for that long period of time. Albert he was not his his knee is not an issue anymore. His his knee is not hurt. His hamstring, he said he's never had a hamstring injury before. I know why he's got, I know why he's hurt. Because his body is not currently conditioned for the NFL. And because it's not currently conditioned for the NFL, his body is flipping out because he can't handle the strain. He needs to get back into football shape. The the NFL is one of the most high-stress kind of jobs you can possibly have. And if your body is not ready to go, and just physically, like never mind injury, just ready to go, strength and conditioning. If your body is not ready to go, you will get hurt. You will get banged up a lot. You're going to pull stuff. You're going to tweak stuff. You're going to – it's gonna, and it's going to keep happening until your body is like says, okay, now I can go out there and do this. I am back to where I was. He needs to get back in his strength and conditioning. He needs to get back in his shape, which is why I said I didn't want Albert back until week three against the Bills when we really needed him. So, the, so actually the coaching staff actually screwed up big time by not sitting him for the first two games. He did, they did the exact opposite of what they should have done. So I don't blame Albert for that. I blame the coaches for rushing him back when they did something when they shouldn't have. 
you put Fox out there for the Redskins and the Jaguars, not the Bills. That was their big mistake. And point so and point number two. He got he gets injured a lot. Fine, you want to go there, that's fine. He got banged up in Kansas City a lot. But last year was a freak accident. We can't deny that. It's not like he was standing there and suddenly his knee just went out. He got rolled up. He got his leg rolled up on. That happens all the time in the NFL. And then stuff happens. That doesn't mean they're injury prone. I'm not saying Albert isn't, but bear with me. Now we are seeing the results of Albert's being out of shape. And we are saying that he can't stay healthy. He, the reasoning for his not being staying healthy right now is not because he's injury prone. It's because his body is not currently ready for what his job is. It's got nothing to do with his injury. So I absolutely do not think that Albert needs to be shipped out for any reason. Albert is the best offensive lineman we have still. And once he gets back into football shape, he's going to come back to being that guy. But he needs to be in football shape. His muscles are sagging. He gets tired. He said after the first game that he felt like he got hit by a Mack truck. And it's not because he got hurt. It's because he's tired. He's not in shape. They rushed him back. That's on the coaches. Albert, as an offensive line coach, would be valuable, but not before he's not ready to play anymore. If we move Albert now, we are basically condemning whoever comes next to dealing with one good actual player that we can count on right now, and that's Mike Pouncey. And even that right now is questionable because Pouncey's not doing so good either. That whole offensive line as a whole is failing. And Albert, even at full strength, is not going to be able to bring that back. Albert helps, but he's not going to be able to do it. They need to bring in more people. So removing Albert just makes it ten times worse. We got about three. But is it already so. removed? Is he's it already removed? removed? And we're seeing yes, we're seeing the results of Albert's uh, absence. So we need and him at, back. At that point, he's making ten point seven two five million to sit on the bench. You make That's an injury settlement. It's not his fault, but I mean, at the same time, you have to understand that 10.7, because we went out and we signed Anandikun Sue, because we signed, you know, Brent Grimes to this huge contract, you know, because we signed Rashad Jones, because we went and we re-signed Tannehill, next year and beyond, we're going to have problems for the next two years. So right. you decide He's to weaken the team. So you decide to weaken the the offensive line, which is already the weakest part on the whole team. That doesn't sound smart for Tannehill. Uh, I decide. I decide to strengthen our ability to strengthen that spot of the team by taking away a player that's already taken away. I mean, he he spent half a season and collected. Um, about four point two two five million playing half a season. That's okay, I get it. But his cap about, hit uh, for the next four years does not reach under ten million dollars. If he's only gonna play partially, and yes, part of the reason he's not in football shape is his fault. Because Cameron Wake is a specimen every single game from start to finish, every single preseason game. Cameron Wake never tore his ACL and MCL and couldn't walk for eight months. Well, maybe we can set it up for, you know, racquetball friends or something. Uh, guys, we got to close it down for tonight. We've got about a minute left. Uh, anything you want to go ahead and put out there in a minute that doesn't involve uh, uh, Brandon Albert's uh, figure? My speaker needs to do one thing. He needs to play closer to the line of scrimmage force teams to beat them over the top. When they start doing that, then they can start playing off coverage. Second thing is with the offense, they need to run more no huddle. Uh, we don't have the uh, personnel to go with power stuff, so just run a lot of no huddle, let Tannehill do his thing back there, make the defenses get tired. I think it would work. All right, I like it. Uh, for everyone here, uh, thanks to Lewis and uh, Duke, my usual co-hosts and also a Dolphin fan for life, uh, who's actually in his mid-30s, had no idea. 
So uh, <laughs> thanks to everyone who joined uh, joined us tonight. It was great to spend some time with you. We'll see you again. Uh, I think actually we're going to have to do next week's show a little early. So um, it'll be Tuesday, I think. So we'll see you then. All right. Good night. Bye. Good night. Bye. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.